Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The score! score! Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to Robert Kraft. Pro Football Talk. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Busy times as always in the NFL. That's why we like to talk to Mike Florio, who is on Twitter at Pro Football Talk and is with us now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So as the reverberations from Wild Card Weekend continue, the things that we're left with, Mike, that are, are still resonating are that incredible comeback and the question as to is it the end for Tom Brady? What's more important to you? Well, I'd say Tom Brady because he generates a ton of natural interest. Anything he does, anything he says, up to and including acting like the latest member of the Cobra Kai dojo and sweeping the leg of Malik Hooker after Hooker recovers a fumble and is returning. I mean, how shameful that move was. I don't know whether you guys have talked about it, but he should be getting grilled. He should be vilified for that cheap, dirty move, sliding like a spoiled kid, not getting his way, didn't get the present he wanted at his birthday party, boo-hoo, Tommy, act like an adult. I, I, I'm i sorry, but I, I thought that was shameful. And part of me wants him to go away and never come back, but the businessman in me realizes it, it's kind of good to have him around. What about your guy Aaron Rodgers? What are you hearing on the Packers front? Well, I was surprised by his comments from yesterday on Pat McAfee's show where I got the impression that playing for another team is on the radar screen. I thought last year he put on the parachute, got on the plane, put on the helmet, pulled down the goggles, stood at the door once the plane got to altitude and decided not to jump. I think the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett, the former Packers offensive coordinator, believing that Rodgers was going to go there. The same day Rodgers decided to stay in Green Bay, they did a deal for Russell Wilson. I don't think that was a coincidence. So I'm surprised he'd ponder the possibility of doing it again. I thought he'd made the decision he's staying in Green Bay. But, but in his comments yesterday, it sure sounded like he had a ransom note, a list of demands, players he wants back on the Packers. And if they don't keep the guys he wants – he very well may try to set something up where he goes somewhere else. It's not going to be easy. $60 million in compensation. What would the Packers want via trade? Would the Packers have to pay some of that money? Because who's going to bring in a guy for one year at $60 million? There's a lot of moving parts. But I look at teams like the Dolphins, and I think that could be very interesting if they decide to go all in. Because, yes, they did well this year with Tua when he was available, If Aaron Rodgers is quote-unquote better than Tua and could run that offense even more efficiently and smoothly and take full advantage of guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, the Dolphins could be a lot better if that's a move that Aaron Rodgers would want to make. So he says he's going to take some time, 
but I think he's going to have a decision for everyone by the middle of March. It's not going to linger beyond that. The Packers need to know whether or not he's going to be back, and if he's going to go somewhere else, the sooner that gets put in place, the more options he's going to have. Titans end up hiring their GM, Mike. It's not Ian Cunningham, who we know was pretty close to the job. What is the opinion of Cunningham and how his stock has risen, though, in the NFL? Well, the whole GM search process is just bizarre to me. Owners skew toward candidates who've never done it before and those who have done it. I just wrote something about this dynamic where former head coaches who were fired, some of them get other opportunities. Some of them don't even get interviews. There's several names of guys out there that just can't even get a look. And it's even more pronounced with GMs. Thomas Dimitrov, who was great with the Falcons, name doesn't even get mentioned when teams are looking for general managers. So Cunningham, there are mixed things I've heard about whether or not he actually turned down the chance to be the Cardinals GM. Some would say he did. Others would dispute that. I don't know what's accurate in that regard, but he did get a second interview with the Titans, and and now he goes into the cycle for next year. The good news is he became a candidate without that kind of trendy, oh, Bears had a great season of achievement and talent acquisitions so there's other reasons why than just that oh boy well that's the obvious guy to go for because the team's good those candidates can disappear as quickly as they arise the fact that Cunningham bubbled up this year tells me he's got staying power and it's just a matter of time before he gets the job that he wants when it comes to some of the calls on coaches why don't teams ever learn lessons from every next wave of hires that occasionally will produce some complete just swings and misses like will the lesson learned from the Nathaniel Hackett hire like find out if your head coach knows how to coach you know is is there anything about it some standardization of process or some some lessons that can be learned from each cycle that always seem to get repeated faster than I think well it's the Peter principle right that started a satire in the late 60s but it's absolutely accurate when it applies to coaches we all rise to the level of our own incompetence we keep getting promoted out of the jobs we do well we land in jobs that we don't do so well that we get promoted and that's where we're stuck now in the nfl you're not stuck there you get fired but when you look at that ascension and ben johnson 36 years old one year as the offensive coordinator of the lions hey jared goff wasn't horrible this year hey they took advantage of the weapons they had hey they were better than people expected when they were one and six nobody was thinking ben johnson as a head coaching candidate, and then all of a sudden he becomes a trendy name. And he decided to stay with the Lions. I think he got a feeling he wasn't going to get an offer this year. And people think, oh, he'll definitely be a candidate next year. Well, not if the Lions aren't good. Look at what happened to Byron Leftwich. He was a candidate to be the Jaguars coach last year, and now he may get fired by the Bucks. And, you know, the, the problem is coordinator and head coach, dramatically different job leadership, the ability to think clearly in the midst of all sorts of activity. And we saw it manifest itself with Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos week one when they weren't getting plays in on time. And it was embarrassing and it was awkward. And there was that moment in a home game where they were counting down the play clock, like the shot clock at a high school basketball game, you know, to try to make sure the Broncos got the playoff on time. I I just think that there really is a fundamental difference between coordinator and head coach. But that's the, the pool where coaching candidates come from. You've got three options, rising coordinator who's never coached before, former NFL head coach, or a college coach. And a lot of owners try to find that next great 
head coach from the coordinators who have checked the boxes and look like maybe they deserve a shot. But it really is a different job. It's about leadership. It's about calm. It's about so many things other than drawing up X's and O's. Mike, this is a two-part question with two guys that are connected. One, what do people around the league think of the job that Steve Wilkes did in Carolina? Two, what are people around the league saying about Cliff Kingsbury throwing up a peace sign and be like, I'm back from, from Thailand when I'm back and I'm not worried about anything until I get back? Well, when David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, fired Matt Rule on October 10 and made Steve Wilkes the interim coach, Tepper was asked, what does Wilkes have to do to earn the job? And Tepper said if he does an incredible job, he'll, he'll be the coach. Now, incredible is in the eye of the beholder. If they would have made it to the playoffs, it would have been hard to deny Steve Wilkes the job. And you've got plenty of players that want Wilkes, and that's a natural reaction. You, you want familiarity. You want consistency. We're all creatures of habit. We don't want change. Change introduces dynamics that could affect us in negative ways. And the guys who helped Steve Wilkes get the job by going out and busting their butts during a bunch of games that you know, felt meaningless but then became meaningful as they started to win, I could see why they'd want him, and I could see why he'd want them. But I don't know where this Sean Payton thing goes. I wonder about the effort last year of Payton and Tom Brady to collaborate in Miami. Carolina would seem to be a logical spot for them to try to do it this year if if Brady is up for another season and if Tepper is willing to pay Payton and if the Saints and the Panthers can work out a deal. So Wilkes may just get caught up in a numbers game where – Tepper finally gets the franchise quarterback and or the great head coach, air quotes, great head coach that he seemed to have wanted ever since he bought the team. With Kingsbury, my first thought when I saw the report that he took a one-way trip to Thailand, which apparently wasn't hyperbole or exaggeration, and he has no interest in coaching in 2023, you better read your contract and make sure you're not violating your buyout clause because there's language in there requiring a coach who's going to get paid by Michael Bidwell for four years to not coach the Cardinals. He's got an obligation to go find other work. You just can't unplug and say, I'm out of here. You go through the motion. You go through the process. You go interview for the offensive coordinator jobs when they're interested in you. There's a way to not interview so well that they hire you for the job, but Bidwell's not going to try to take your money if you go through that process. Kingsbury is really at risk, and I've heard people around the league echo this thought. He's at risk of getting stiffed by Bidwell. And, uh, I, but I can't blame Kingsbury for getting out of the NFL because his system doesn't work in the NFL. His system is premised on having elite college players who can run circles around the opposing defense, most notably in the Big 12, the attention to detail, adjusting to stay ahead of your opponent, self-scouting your own offense to plug any weaknesses. That's just not Kingsbury's strong suit. It's something he'd never done until he got to the NFL. And, and I don't think we'll see him back in the NFL, maybe not in any capacity. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't really work in the Big 12 either. That's why he was fired out of Texas Tech, but mostly for a lack of defense whatsoever. When it comes to the games this next but how round. How become an, uh, a coveted NFL coach? I still don't understand that one three years later. Anyway. I think it's because the people connected to Patrick Mahomes, and I say this being in Chicago, knowing who is in charge right now and who the former head coach is. Pat Mahomes is making a lot of people a lot of money. True. And that includes Cliff Kingsbury recruiting him out of White House High School adjacent to uh, when Cliff was the quarterback's coach at U of H. So I, I think like Patrick Mahomes is making a lot of people a lot of money just by being in proximity. 
Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I wanted to really love the Bills and Bengals game, <laughs> and now I'm stressed out about it because both teams barely survived to advance. What are your thoughts on it? Well, the offense of both teams was very sluggish over the weekend. The Bills were up 17 nothing. They couldn't deliver the knockout blow to the Dolphins. But then again, we see that more and more often where teams get big leads and they just can't get it done. The Bengals have issues now on the offensive line. Three of their starters are injured. Leo Collins has been gone for a while. Alex Kappa got injured late in the regular season. Jonah Williams got injured in the playoff game. Now, last year they didn't have a great offensive line. They were able to just keep winning and winning and winning. Uh, This is the game that that we wanted to see finished 16 days ago. It doesn't seem like a lot longer than 16 days ago that DeMar Hamlin had cardiac arrest and that game got postponed and eventually canceled. I mean, it seems like 16 months, if not 16 years ago, that we all endured that trauma. I suspect Hamlin will be back in the building on Sunday. It'll give the Bills a lift. But there's just something about Joe Burrow. You know, some players transform into someone other than who they are in the regular season, good and bad. And Burrow is one who transforms into that kind of baby-faced killer who has what he called last week the arrogance to go out and make plays when the season's on the line. He thrives for those moments. But it's going to be a tall order in a hostile environment in Buffalo. They did it last year at Arrowhead Stadium with a Super Bowl berth on the line. Fascinating to see whether the Bengals can do it on Sunday with an opportunity to go back most likely to Kansas City, but with the Jaguars, who the hell knows? Wouldn't it be amazing if it's Jaguars at Bengals for the AFC Championship? You're right about Burrow, man. I was trying to explain just like whatever Kirk Cousins doesn't have. What, what, you know what I mean? Whatever. I try not to mention Kirk, but yeah. That, that's just how you, like, it's hard to explain. We need some sort of, like, long German word that encapsulates it. But, <laughs> but, but, but whatever Kirk Cousins doesn't have is what it feels like Joe Burrow does have. And the best example of that, because it was supposed to be different this year. That was the narrative all year long. Kirk is different. Without Mike Zimmer there, Zimmer brought him down. Zimmer never believed in him. We see Kirk with the shirtless chains routine, and the teammates are taken to him, and he's leading all these comebacks in the fourth quarter, 11-1 score wins for the Vikings, 8-1 and at home in the regular season, and then season's on the line. They're driving down the field. It just felt like the movie we'd seen so many times. They're going to score. I thought they were going to score, go for two, and win 32-31. You get to fourth and eight, and he throws it five yards short of the sticks. Doesn't throw it to Justin Jefferson. Doesn't hold it long enough for K.J. Osborne to pop open. Now he had Dexter Lawrence in his face. And when you watch that play, they didn't double-team Dexter Lawrence, who just destroyed the Minnesota offensive line, especially late in the game. But, yeah, it's 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 – You know, what do you do in those moments? Those moments that are very fleeting, they're very few and far between, the moments that you dream about as a kid, you're finally in that spot. Do you rise up or do you freeze up? Burrow rises up, Cousins freezes up, and I I just think that those things don't change. You are who you are, and it takes a lot to alter that, that fundamental DNA that's in a quarterback that only gets revealed once per year, if that often. Mike, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Great talking to you. Have a great week.
That's Mike Florio. More football coming your way in just a second. In case you missed it, our guy, Dane Brugler, the guy that puts out the beast, the scouting report that we use for who's your guy, he's got his initial mock draft. I think this is his, might be his second mock draft now that we know the, the order's completely set. And he has a price for the number one pick in trade. And I'll tell you where he's got it going and what he has the Bears getting and who he has the Bears taking with the pick that they're getting in exchange. It's it's well thought through, and I think it's just, it allows us to build some data points of what our expectations should be should Ryan Poles make the move I think we all want him to make. That is coming up next. We are the Bernstein and Holmes Show with Layla Rahimi here today on a Wednesday on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, Station, Station. First pick, there are people that sit there and go, the quarterback might be available there. You're saying Justin's your guy. Well, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class. And I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. What does it mean? What does it mean? I haven't thought about it late at night. Nope. <laughs> no, no. Haven't done that. Certainly none of that. So no. I got all excited when I saw the latest edition of the Dane Brugler mock draft in The Athletic. And I was more excited when it says Mach 2.0 round one. Indianapolis Colts. I mean, wait, what? What did I miss? They got weights and fish. <laughs> what did I miss? Uh, this is parenthetically via Chicago. And I'm like, yeah. That's Chicago. What, that's what I want to see. And he's got the Colts taking Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. And then in italics underneath, projected trade. Number one for the number four pick, the number 35 pick, okay. and a 2024 first round pick. So before so we, a so a swap a second and next year's first yeah swap a high second and next year's first but but let me ask you first before I even get into the the discussion of who he thinks the Bears would take blah 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 is that enough I mean when you look at the Trey Lance deal it doesn't feel like a, it feels kind of conservative. Mm-hmm. Especially for the number one pick as opposed to the number three pick that that the the 49ers and the Dolphins were dealing with for Trey Lance. It doesn't sound like enough. It just just first blush. It, and it, it's nice. I liked it, but I would like more. I I mean, I think if I'm sitting in the seat, it's probably swap your high two next year's one and next year's two. And now we're talking. That's 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 better. I think here's the problem. Slavko and I were talking about this yesterday quite a bit at NBC Sports Chicago. Well, actually, we were just at NBC Five, but still, NBC Sports Chicago, part of us. You know the drill. Uh, the things that we were discussing was the fact that the leverage here is still not as big because of Justin Fields. Like you can say, oh, 
it's going to have, you know, somebody's going to have to blow me away. But come on. Like, this is. You still got to have it if you got to have it, though. And, and, and it's but because. The, let's go back to, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, when Ryan Pace got rooked by the rookie. How many times have we heard the gray area surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo? For years. So the concept of, at some point, them needing a quarterback in San Francisco was going to come up. And it ultimately did, as we know, Trey Lance. So I feel like in this case, it is going to be a little more reasonable because the leverage just doesn't swing that wide. But here's how it plays out. He said the trade makes sense for both sides. The Colts have a clear need at quarterback with an owner and GM motivated to get it right. Chris Ballard, previously a scout in Chicago, is very familiar with Ryan Poles. The two worked together for four years in the Chiefs' front office. It would mark the third time in the last 25 years the Colts held the number one pick, and it worked out well the other two, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. He's got the Texans taking Will Levis, number two. The Cardinals then grab Will Anderson. And it says the Bears at four, Jalen Carter. For the next few months, Bears fans will be debating between Anderson and Carter. In this scenario, the decision is made for them. Carter's young, which is evident in several areas of his game, but it's also clear how uniquely talented he is with a combination of body control and power. His block destruction and disruption are special. For Bears fans screaming that the return in this trade scenario isn't enough, there would be added value in trading back with the Colts as opposed to the Raiders at number seven overall, the Panthers number nine overall, or another team. Because of the opportunity to stay within striking distance of the two elite defensive prospects in the draft, that should give the Colts a hypothetical advantage if the Bears end up with multiple offers to consider. I would also offer up that in this, we we could see a trade back even after, like let's say, let's, let's play it out. Let's say that the Bears trade with the Colts. That, yes, uh, Carter and Anderson are two really special defensive players. I love them both, and they, they both would serve a real need on the Bears' defense. But if Poles could then trade to the Raiders, for example, he still is in striking distance of some of the offensive linemen that he might covet. So, I I, I mean, it's interesting. I, I do think that it's a little light. Uh, the, the 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 idea of the number one pick and just because those two guys work together, I don't expect that Ryan Poles and he shouldn't be giving a discount to Chris Ballard, and it also doesn't take into account the run on quarterbacks. Like it's all well and good to talk about that in the third week of January, but once pro days happen and once teams get a taste. And they sit there and go, we gotta have Will Levis. We gotta have him. We we we've gotta have Bryce Young. He's everything that we want. Then I think the bidding is going to go up. Think about it. Look at what the Bears gave up for Chase Claypool, which essentially turned into a number one pick, right? And pick number thirty-two. And that was for a receiver at the trade deadline. And there were multiple suitors. For that receiver at the trade deadline. So one would think that if you're talking about the number one pick in the draft and the opportunity to to draft a franchise-changing quarterback, that that price is going to go up. I do think, though, that, for example, whenever there's a regime change, you know that there's going to be player changes. And it's a lot of times 
with the players that they know they can get the most value for via trade. And I think about DeAndre Hopkins in that respect. That Claypool trade, until we see something that makes us feel better about the fact that the Bears only have one pick in the top 50, is going to sit with me for a long time, given the production we saw. As it should. I will also say this. I am bullish on Peter Saronsky. And I think that he, uh, from Northwestern, I think that if the Bears somehow ended up getting him, say they they don't start defensively, I would be very happy with that. Brugler right now has him picked going eighth to the Falcons. Uh Uh-huh. And to me, that is very much in my, who's my guy, he's one of my guys. Outside of, I think, Will Anderson. Yeah, and, and in my scenario, you can get him. Yes. Like, yeah, you trade trade back to four, then trade back to seven and get more and more picks. And he's still in your window of players that – because you need everything. Like, that's the other part of this. While the Bears would like to have Carter or Anderson, and I, I think Carter more because of the position that he plays and the importance in Matt Eberflus's defense for a three technique, they need everything. So you can't just pin them down and say, well, the Bears have got to get help defensively. Yeah, and they also need an entirely new offensive line. So That's it to me. So they can go in a lot of different directions depending on what they get back. And if they were to make multiple trades or a trade that gives them multiple picks in in this year's draft, that, that gets them closer to being a legitimate championship window team. And just think about what you saw out of the Lions in the second half of the season, and that doesn't happen unless you go back-to-back first-round picks with guys who are considered some of the best talent at their position on the lines. Yeah, I thought you were going to go a step further and say, they got to block Aiden Hutchinson for a while. Yes. That too. Yeah, right. yeah remember like Aiden this. Hutchinson, who they drafted, who who showed you exactly where the ground was the entire game? Probably, and especially that was the one guy who, when you ran read option against him, you, you he's a tough read. He can make you commit first or, because of his he's got lightning quick reactions and makeup speed. Just think of Skaronski's on that line, how that changes just to be – that's not even 20% better. It is by definition, but we all know it's way more than that. What that would do for this offensive line. And yes, I know we talked a lot about where Panay Sewell fit into that draft where he was drafted, but you can't argue with the results when you're seeing it happen like that. Build on the lines. That's all I'm trying to ask. If you can get some extra value, fantastic. But I am pretty adamant that something needs to happen there in addition to to what they have right now. And Braxton Jones, I hope you get many millions of dollars and you're in a position that makes you comfortable and you're not upset with yourself after games. Nobody's hating on you. But when it comes to just what the need is, let's help people out here. Uh, a texter uh, says here, is Carter the guy from Georgia? I was massively underwhelmed by him. No thanks. Your first question negates your second. <laughs> right. Yeah, you kind of... <laughs> <laughs> is that who we're talking about? I saw him once and I didn't like him. Okay, great. Thank, thanks. Thanks for now, checking now, in. Now go watch some other tape of him and tell me that you're underwhelmed. When we come him. back, we are going to do High Noon. There, there is a new song out that is, my wife played it for oh. me this morning. It is so good. And then he played, Layla, before you got here, he played it for us. 
because that's Dan not is true. Apparent- Rankin, Rankin played it. Well, you had Rankin play it because Dan is apparently 16 years old. It's really good, and the story behind it's pretty funny too. That's true. It's it's a it's a good song. I'm into this. Uh, I have a treasure find that was thought to not be a treasure find, but then the mystery happened. I saw something last night that I really like, but I understand why the people involved really hate it, and it was fun to watch their discomfort. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? A lot of football discussion so far on this Wednesday on Bernstein and Holmes that, as always, features Layla Rahimi. We got her thoughts about yesterday's uh, Kevin Warren introductory press conference. We heard from Adam Hogue. We heard from Mike Florio. And we looked over some of the initial estimations of what the Bears might receive if they decide to trade that top pick. It's So last night, I was trying to figure out what sports was there to watch because there wasn't a ton. I peeked in on the Blackhawks game for a little bit, and they had a a big comeback last night. And then, because I'm an hour behind everybody, I'm I'm just like, well, what's happening? What's going on out there? I stumble across a FS1 all-access broadcast of San Jose State and New Mexico. And what they what they do in these is that they split the screen in three. You've got the action, and then each of the two coaches are in a box mic'd up. Now, they did this a couple years ago with DePaul and Providence, and Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence, is just hysterical. And, you know, Dave Dave Lato cusses a lot and stomps his feet. This was Tim Miles, who's like one of the nicest people ever, being the head coach of San Jose. And Richard Patino. Wait, Tim Miles used to be at Nebraska, right? Yes. Yeah, he's fun. And Richard Patino, who's the head coach in New Mexico, who, by the way, pretty good team. I think they're 16-2 and two or something like that. Watching them have to – Miles, not so much as Patino, have to kind of dial it down what they do was fascinating. They even took you into the post-game locker room, but then they interviewed Patino on the sideline, and I – I think he was joking when they asked him about the experience. He was like, yeah, it was, it was fine. I'll never do this again. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably like every coach in basketball when it comes to something like this. I love the concept. But as we saw this weekend, even even non-all-access where you have John Harbaugh trying to growl and smile his way through the interview with Melissa Stark on the sideline. Gosh darn it. This is, I'm, what the heck is wrong with you? Darn it. Just they like, agreed to it. They talked yes. to them about it beforehand. Yes. Why, do you, why are you being so weird about all of this stuff? Especially when she's asking you about stuff that you told her about before the game started. Yeah, they do a whole production meeting and they say, hey, here's what we're going to do. And they tell the coaches and then the coaches say, okay. Like, I get that they focus, but it's still, it's still. So, this pretty cool thing happened earlier. It's called the Bronze Age. You might have heard of it. Yeah. Uh, The Field Museum had a 3,500-year-old sword. 
and it was mislabeled as a replica for a hundred years. Turns out it was real. The Field Museum showing off its newest prized possession. It was found 100 years ago in the Danube River in Budapest. But when it was sent to the Field Museum, it was labeled as a replica. It came in as part of a much larger group of artifacts, and some of them were real and some of them were replicas, right? So here we are 100 years later, we thought it was a replica. Turns out it's the real deal. Curator of anthropology Bill Parkinson says the artifact now on display is a 3,500-year-old sword that dates back to the Bronze Age. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. It was super exciting. And the first thing I thought of was, this is such a great story. What a great story, because it never goes that way. Parkinson says the sword is a preview of a new exhibit called First Kings of Europe that will feature artifacts from 11 Balkan countries. The ancient Bronze Age sword will be on display in the museum's Stanley Field Hall through April 3rd. Lisa Fielding, 105.9 WBBM. Now, I appreciate Lisa's story here, but I have two things. I know we always play this Old West timey music during high noon, but how do you not think of the Blue Danube when you think of the Danube River? Like, ever. So, now that that's the backdrop, two things. Number one, did they hide it from themselves or something? Is it like when you hide something from yourself and then you hide it and then you only realize that you hid it from yourself? I it's do like, all the time. I do it too and then I lose the thing that I've hidden because I successfully hid it from all parties, including said the hider. So then here they are thinking they have this replica. What'd they do with the replica? Did they, did they play with it? Like it apparently had been in battle, by the way. So I wonder what happened during that time. How did you treat said replica that was 100 years old as a replica? And then the other thing is, what if Excalibur is just hanging out somewhere and they hit <laughs> it an, saying an, it's fake? It's in a TGI Fridays yeah, or right above the bathroom. They have, <laughs> and they just think they have a replica of Excalibur or something. Next to a Kevin Garnett signed and then, jersey. And then, no, right? turns out it's the actual real Excalibur because how many fake Real swords are hanging out in the world. You know what I'm saying? And you know you're of a certain age when you hear this gorgeous piece of music, this waltz by Strauss, and you picture the the space scene in 2001: A Space Odyssey. And when when you first when when it makes that jump from prehistoric times, and the, they throw the, the bone up in the air, and then it turns into the spaceship, and then you have that music. That's 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 where my mind goes. <laughs> But Mine goes to the Danube. Speaking of music, Miley Cyrus's new song is awesome. Here we go. It's called Flowers, and the song in and of itself, independent of history and meaning and Easter eggs and all of that, is just great. It's a great song. There's a little bit of Lady Gaga on there. There's some of the... the synthetic violins, the synthesized violins give you a little sort of late 70s Gloria Gaynor, Donna Summer kind of sensibility to it. There's some Bruno Mars in uh, there too. Well, that is intended because this this track Flowers samples Bruno Mars' When I Was Your Man because apparently, as legend has it, Liam Hemsworth dedicated the playing of that Bruno Mars song to his newlywed wife, Miley Cyrus, before then cheating on her like 14 times. 
So this is an answer song that does recall some of the lyrics that was released on his birthday where the video was filmed in one of the houses where supposedly he was doing the actual cheating. So there are some layers to this, but it's a banger. We were good, we were cold, kind of dream that can't be so. We were right till we weren't, built a home and watched it burn. lyrics i can buy myself flowers write my name in the sand the lyrics from the bruno mars track i should have bought you flowers and held your hand should have gave you all my hours when i had the chance and that's her answer apparently to her ex-husband yeah and you know what miley found out these hoes ain't loyal that's what she found out (laughs) it's good man i'm just gonna Stop myself from saying a whole lot of things right now. Why? Because it ain't uncommon. That is high noon. The, the lesson that needs to be learned here is always be afraid once the other person has evidence. And I don't mean always like six months and ugh, that person should be over it by now. No, no, no. Always be scared. Always. I I enjoy when it, it is Liam that plays Chris, right? It in in the the Thor movies, he is the the actor who is playing Thor. Chris is Thor, right? Chris is Thor, but. They remember they do the scenes with Matt Damon as right, Loki, right. and I believe Liam is playing Chris. I think that's correct. I because there's another one of them too. Is it Luke Hemsworth? I don't watch movies. There's a lot of Hemsworth, but I believe Liam plays Chris and is also. Um, Forget his character on the show that HBO is now canceled, Westworld. But I think that's right. I think that Liam is Chris when Chris isn't being Chris and Loki is being Odin and he's putting on plays and then all of a sudden Matt Damon is there. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) I'm now more confused than when we started. So are the texters. Texters are saying, no, it's Luke who's playing Chris and then someone else says Liam. Damn it, I need to know. I guess I'll do IMDb during the break. No, man, that's going to take forever. If you missed our interview with Kevin Warren yesterday, you won't miss it next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.